Hey everyone, I'm Chris Hall and you're listening to the Downtime Podcast where we delve deep into the gravity-based side of mountain biking. First up, I want to thank our supporting partner for the month and that's We Are One Composites who've got an awesome offer for you. We Are One have been a long-time supporter of the podcast and as a result, I've been using their wheels since 2019. I've been blown away by the ride quality and the build quality of the products. Not only do these things look incredible, both inside and out, but once you get them on the trails, you can feel that the engineering team have really worked to make a carbon wheel that harnesses all the capabilities of the material. The wheels go where you point them and don't ping off every little trail feature like some carbon wheels do, and as a result, they hold a line like nothing else I've ever ridden. I'm currently running a Faction 29er up front and a Union 275 in the rear, and I've not even had to show them a spoke key. They're still tight and true. We Are One are offering downtime listeners 10% off any Revolution wheel set, including rim only, for the month of September. All you need to do is to head over to weareonecomposites.com and use the code DOWNTIMEWHEELING2022 at the checkout. That's downtime with a capital D, no space, followed by the word wheeling, W-H-E-E-L-I-N-G, no space, then 2022 over at weareonecomposites.com. Head to the site now and check out their full range of awesome wheels. While you're here, don't forget to subscribe or follow the podcast so you never miss an episode. There's buttons to help you get that done over at downtimepodcast.com forward slash shop. You can grab yourself some merch if you want to support the show. That's at downtimepodcast.com forward slash shop. And if you want to get involved and get some copies of our lovely print project, Downtime EP, you can do that over at downtimepodcast.com forward slash EP. All the links you need for all of this stuff are in the show notes for this episode over on downtimepodcast.com. Also, I'd love it if you can give me a follow on Instagram and Facebook. It's the best place to keep up with what's going on and also the best place to get in touch. All right, today I'm joined by fellow podcaster Dean Lucas. Dean has been on the World Cup circuit for 10 years now and we sat down to chat about his experiences. We talk about Dean's route into World Cup racing and his quick rise to the top spots. Hear about some of his podium results and what he feels drove those. And we also chat about concussion, mental health and plenty more. Dean is a thoughtful guy who offers some interesting insight into himself and the sport. So, without further ado, here's Dean Lucas. Dean Lucas, welcome to the Downtime Podcast, man. It's a, it's a pleasure to sit down. It's been a while. We've had some chats throughout the year. We haven't quite managed to sit down, but we finally made it happen here in uh, Val de Sol. Yeah, we're joking about how the podcast people like... They bunch together. There's not that many of us, so we need to bunch together for warmth. And yeah, this is it. A good around the fire. Yeah. yeah, it's good, man. It's good. I'm excited to chat. And um, I think often we'd like go right back and cover a lot of background stuff. But you've been on a few other podcasts and gone into that in quite a lot of detail, so people can get the search engines open and find that stuff if they want to. So I want to kind of bring it into like your race career and certainly when you like stepped up onto the World Cup level because it's ten years ago this year right that you started and yep. i think your first world cup was in val de sol yeah yeah that's a it's a bit of a deep end kind of experience that right yeah i um i was definitely yeah i was it was day one was uh was a lot like <laughs> it was actually a lot easier than it is now like it was still hard but but i guess then when you're on 26 inch wheels and the whole seemed big then but they've gotten bigger now but i didn't even last the whole day i was following connor fear and and he was doing a gap down the bottom that I was like, I'll try and follow him off it and over the bars and broken wrist day one. And oh, that man. was my downhill career <laughs> at that point over for a little bit. And I didn't realize I broke my wrist. I thought I sprained it, uh-huh. um, but I still couldn't race. I, I actually missed that. But the week later, I tried to race Fort William with a broken scaphoid and we got strapped up and painkillers and I got 84th. So I missed out by four spots, 
with a broken wrist. But yeah, it was not the best <laughs> start to this downhill career like I thought it was going to be. But I managed to come back the year later uh-huh. and I won as a junior. Yeah. And I, I was like, it was a cool like don't give up kind of thing. I thought that was cool to like be out day one and then come back the next year. And I think, I think yeah, one one as a junior, I think I would have been like 19th or something in okay. elite. And I was like, oh man, like yeah, we can do this kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, it didn't start off all sunshine and lollipop. It was <laughs> it was quite a rough one, to be honest. Yeah, not an easy start. What were your like hopes and dreams back then? Then what did you, were you just doing something and following a passion? Did you see a career in it? Kind of, I didn't, I think I just did it for fun. I think that's why anyone starts anything really, is just for fun. Like yeah. we, I think no one ever gets into something like this because they think they're going to make a lot of money or like, yeah, there's probably a goal to race around the world but it doesn't really seem realistic until I think I was 16 and I was doing local races and I remember I qualified first in I think I think I was yeah 16 but I was racing in under 19 so like uh-huh. just under elite and I got the fastest time of the day and there was guys there that were racing world cups and had raced world cups and I know mm-hmm. racing in Australia compared to Europe is a big big difference but uh-huh. when I beat people that had been racing world cups and doing pretty good I was like, oh man, like <laughs> I could like, that's when like, it was almost like, oh shit, like yeah, we yeah. could do this kind of thing. It was like, it opened my eyes to what was possible. But up until that point, I was kind of like just doing local stuff in Australia and nationals. Yeah. And I just, I liked racing my bike. It was fun. It was never like, hey, we're going to be World Cup racer one day. But as that kind of progressed, it was like, no, we can do this. And yeah, here I am now. So amazing. Cool progression. Yeah, for sure. How was that funded then in those first few years when you went out on the World Cup circuit? Uh, the first year I came over in 2012, I actually, um, I came with my parents and my brother. So, we yeah. kinda, it was like a family holiday kind of thing mixed in with the World Cups. So, that's why it was almost a bit harder as well because I'd crashed and my parents are here and my brother and they kind of came to watch me and then I'm just like broken wrist on the sidelines and I yeah. kind of felt like I was wa- not kind of wasting their time, but I just felt like I let a lot of people down. So, they, because I was still at school at this time as well. I was only in year 11. Uh-huh. So, I was still still at school, like doing little jobs here and there to like make a little bit of money, but not enough to come race in Europe. So, they funded it the first year. And then the year after, they're like, hey, like, we're not, we're not coming over. We're not going to fund it. You've got to make a decision what you want to do. So, I ended up dropping out of school and starting like a welding apprenticeship. Okay. So, I was doing that and working for my old man because he had like a business that I could work for him. So... I was doing that, saved up, I think it was like 20 grand or something and then came over with the uh, Australian junior team. That's uh-huh. when I ended up yeah, getting the win here and I got no, I got third at Fort William and I got the win here and then I wasn't even planning on doing all the World Cups but that was like, oh shit, I got the leader's jersey <laughs> now. Like that was, it was cool, man, because like there was like John Luca Vanessa, Luca Shaw, Taylor Verning, Phil Atwell like a heap of guys that are still racing today. Yeah, and stacked got, field. Yeah, it was really stacked. Richie Rude was in it. Um, Connor Fearon, I think he'd just gone out. Um, Loris Verge was in it as well. It was massive. So, it was all this hype around all of these guys and they were all on factory teams like yeah. LaPierre, GT and all that. And I was this like young <laughs> Aussie kid that hadn't really done anything. And I thought it was so cool because when I came to Val de Sol, I had to wear the Australian jersey because I didn't have a team and yeah. I, I didn't have enough points or anything. And I was like kind of like ashamed to like wear it because it made me look like 
and it was like this big banner on me that's like you're not good enough for a team yeah like you're not and a factory guy yeah yeah and i like i was ashamed by it and then when i won oh man i wore that thing like a badge of honor <laughs> hey i was like look at me man like i can't, i don't have a team and i was like everyone else around me was on teams and i just thought that was the best feeling it was like the kid that can't even get enough points to race is beating you and i thought it would look so bad for all these guys that were on factory teams getting beaten by like the privateer nobody yeah i guess but yeah it was funny how at the start of the week, I was like, yeah, didn't want anyone to see me in it. And the end of the week, I was like, yeah, show this thing off. So, I thought that was a cool, like, it's funny how your mind can change with stuff like that. Yes, one result and everything can change, right? Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, it definitely turned around. And then from that point on, I it was actually um, Evan Warner and Todd from SRAM. Uh-huh. They um they kind of took me under their wing and John Dawson I like I was pitting with them because they had SRAM parts and I was like hey I wasn't gonna do the rest of the World Cups but if I do can can I pit with you guys and they're like yep sure so nice. as the year went on my bike slowly slowly got better so at the start I had like everything was kind of, like not bad but not the best and then I kept doing well and kept kind of flying the flag for SRAM and yeah. Walker Shaw and Luca Shaw actually. Um, on the kind like that was, it was before, like a TLD SRAM kind it of was thing. before that and okay. I always joke around we were like the beginning of that because we were all on the team we all got along and it was just kind of cool traveling and hanging out with those guys and yeah as the year went on we kind of like obviously got to know more people and it kind of progressed in that direction but yeah it was cool to like be the kind of starting point for that and it yeah. was kind of out of nowhere it kind of just like from just meeting people like I used to go to the SRAM pits and I just chat to the guys, like I just got along with them. They were cool people. And I'd see so many people come and just kind of throw, like not throw, but like drop their forks off and be kind of blunt and like, can you service this and can you take yeah. that? And they didn't give them any time. And I was like, oh, that's kind of shit. Like I don't want to be that guy. So like I would hang out and just chat with them for for ages. And I think they kind of like built that relationship. And I think when you're an up and coming rider or a junior, like you've just got to network and meet people, talk, like just be friendly. Like it, it goes a long, long way. So yeah. Yeah, after that, I was like, can I pit with you guys? And they're like, yep, fine, go for it. And that kind of like kickstarted my career, really. Amazing. Was that the link towards the the deal with Da Vinci Factory Racing? Because you moved to Da Vinci in 2014. Yeah. So after that season, were they running SRAM then? I can't remember. They, yeah, they were. Yeah, yeah. They were. That wasn't, it wasn't so much a link. I was already linked with them because I was sponsored by Da Vinci in Australia. Okay. Um, Out of, do you know Paul Rowney, Rowney Sports? No. He was... Jared Gray's mechanic, and I'm pretty sure he raced in XC at the um, at the World Cups. Okay. Oh, like he's like old school, old school, absolute legend. So I was riding for Rowney Sports, which they imported Da Vinci. So I was already on a Da Vinci, and that kind of was like bridge the kind of gap kind of thing. Yeah. So then after 2013, yeah, they like, hey, we'll put you on the team, and that's when I find like got like factory ride. Like it was like nothing, not nothing, no pay or anything, <laughs> but like flights and all that and accommodation being teammates with like steve smith and nick beer it was like oh man this is this is pretty cool that must have felt insane like you hadn't been in the sport not at the world cup level anyway for very long to be hopping on a factory no, team two, yeah two years and it was involved. coming off it was in 2014 so stevie just won the overall yeah. and like when i was first met him oh dude i was shitting it hey <laughs> like he's he's like the, the guy at the time and i'm like again like this kind of like little nobody in a way and it actually messed with me a bit because I felt like I had all this expectation to then do well. Okay. Like in 2013, it was like, again, I was wearing the Aussie jersey. No one cared. It was like, if I didn't do well, no one cared. If I did do yeah. well, it was like, whoa, who is this guy? Yeah. And I felt like I really used that as fuel to do well. And then when I got in the factory team, like, oh man, I was like all this pressure and I just, yeah, being like the guy's teammate. And then I just, I, I really didn't do that well. I just like... 
it took me about half the season to kind of get my form and then towards the end of the year I kind of got more comfortable but all the first races I was just nervous and yeah just didn't ride well and we also had like we went to Cairns and that was like an absolute downpour that's probably one of the hardest races I've ever done and just yeah just it took it took me a long time to kind of find my feet on the team it was just like a bit of a tricky like integration into the team and then into like that pressure and all like expectations onto it but it it went after that like the first year and then the second year I kind of came on a lot stronger and I felt like I had my place and everything and yeah I flipped it all on its head so I think I almost struggle a lot at the, at the start and then it seems like I kind of takes me a little bit to figure it out and then once I figure it out, we're all good and yeah. move forward. And I guess it's not just that pressure of knowing you've got a factory ride, but you've got more media attention. Mm. Like if you're doing laps with Stevie, like everyone's shooting, right? All the radios down the hill are like telling everyone that Stevie's coming, all the photographers are ready and you're kind of in that melee to some extent, I guess, and trying to, I guess, prove your worth mm. against against someone. Like and just that. going to like, like I remember when we went to South Africa, um, like I was just like when you're a young kid it's just like you go to dinners and stuff and there's all the Fox guys and there's uh-huh. everyone and like as a kid like as now I'm, I'm fine because I know everyone like you're part of the community and like yeah. you're well known but as a, like a 19 year old kid or 18 I'm not sure I think 19 or 18 as a kid like that and you kind of go into these like dinners and stuff and there's all these top guys that like you know who they are because you've watched videos and you yeah. know the industry and all that and then you're just this young kind of shy kid you're like oh man this is like yeah it just took me a while to like i guess find my place in all that Mm -hmm. and then once i did like the year after i kind of feel like i found my feet more and results started to come and i had more fun and it was just a lot more of an enjoyable experience but yeah 14 was yeah it was tricky it was tough yeah it's like you know the whole thing it's like when the you see a dog chasing a car and they finally like catch it they don't know what to do with it i felt like i just caught the car and i was like oh shit like <laughs> what now <laughs> yeah what now <laughs> well and it was your first year elite right which is mm. not many people managed to make that transition as smoothly as you could imagine they will when you look at their junior results right mm. it doesn't even if you were placing super well in elites time wise it often doesn't translate it's a it's a different mentality because i think when you're a junior you know you can win like when you're a successful junior you know you can win so you're not looking at all this other stuff you're just looking at i want to win and when you can ride like that and you say well okay why don't you just have that mindset in elite and it's like man it's it's, i've I've only had a few times at world cups where i've generally thought i can win Uh and it it does find you find a new gear and i I talked to um i've talked to other guys about this like loik and a few other people it's like when they know they can win it's like you dig deeper and it's just like, and you can't fake that and you can't find that extra gear unless you truly have convinced yourself that this is a real yeah. chance for me to win. And I haven't had it often, but when I have, it's like, yeah, man, like you, you just try more, you focus more, you get in this zone and it's just like, it's a cool thing. But I think as juniors, they can find that place easier. And I'm quite intrigued to see how Jackson will go and Jordan next year because they're consistently in the top 10 now, if not mm-hmm. at, right at the pointy end podium or even like, in Andorra, Andorra yeah. yeah so it's like is that going to translate to elite because you don't know so that's i'm really interested that i'm almost i really hope obviously they both do really well but it's like i feel like jordan's gonna ha- oh, no, not jordan uh, jackson's gonna have a lot more pressure uh-huh. where jordan's kind of he's not really looked at as the guy even though he's only like a couple seconds if not beating jackson yeah, yeah. and that's putting him in like because i'm pretty sure today i think they had like 
the third fastest times, both of them. Yeah, and there was nothing between. And there's them. nothing in yeah, it, but yeah. then everyone's like, "Oh, Jackson went fastest." I'm like, "Yeah, but Jordan's less than yeah. like point nothing, and they're and like he's third. It's like, interesting, hey, because I guess Jackson's been in the spotlight literally since he was like three or four or whatever. Mm. Whereas maybe Jordan is just not as familiar to everyone. Yeah, but it does seem to get forgotten about a bit, which is. Yeah. It's a bit of a tragedy, really, because the results on paper, like, they're almost the same rider. Mm. At Andorra, I was like, I mentioned this when I was talking to Eddie, that I think Jordan was the third fastest time uh-huh. or the fourth or something yeah, like that. Yeah, he was up there for sure. Yeah, yeah, and I was like, but no one no one talked about that. Yeah. That was not a thing. It was like, Jackson got the fastest time of the day. I'm like, yeah, but the guy in second in juniors got, like, if just say Jackson didn't win and Jordan got fourth like everyone would talk about that yeah but because he was like shadowed by by jackson's accomplishment and i always get annoyed with that about like not an, i don't know not about annoyed but it's like when if i was jordan it's just like but it's it can be good as well because if you fly under the radar man and you don't have that extra pressure and you don't have that extra thing and then you kind of go to elite it's yeah. like you're always kind of like no one's expecting me even though i'm already there so yeah you can use it as fuel for the fire right? exactly and it's that underdog thing you talked about wearing the Aussie jersey instead yeah. of having a factory ride. It's a similar thing like, yeah. right, I'm going to go and get this guy that everyone's talking about. Mm. And, and that could an piss him off. Yeah, I'd feel like if, if personally, if it was me, if I was getting top four times in a lead as a junior and everyone's talking about the other guy, <laughs> I'd be like, man, come on, like give me something. But yeah, people can use that as fuel. People can use that as like, I don't get annoyed and maybe it affects them in a poor way. But yeah, I'm, exci- I'm really excited to see how that kind of plays out. I think it's going to be cool. It's going to be incredible for sure. So let's talk about 2015. So it was your second season in elite and your first big elite result that came through. You took mm. third in Lenzerheide there. So I think Greg won, Loic, the new, yeah. Troy and G, like an yeah. incredible bunch to be in the mix of. I mean, first off, just tell us a little bit about that race because you mentioned before we pressed record that there was some Greg Minar related drinking involved in the week. <laughs> so the week before was the first time, no, the second time actually I'd ever been to Morzine, the first time I'd actually gone there for riding. Uh-huh. And there was a place at the bottom of Plenty called um, Le Cottage, I think it was oh, called. Yeah, it's no okay. longer there anymore. They've, yeah. they've, they've torn it down and put um, apartments. But I was staying there and so was Mark Wallace, but we were staying there and Greg was staying there, not with us, just in mm-hmm. the, a different room. And it was like the first time kind of like properly meeting Greg. Anyway, we're getting along, we're all chatting. He's like, oh, come for a drink. And we're like, oh, Greg's asking for a drink. Like, yeah, 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 we'll come for a drink. <laughs> anyway, that turned into like a few drinks and... This game called Crocodile, where you press like a, a tooth down, and everyone's got to press one, and if it snaps your hand, you've got to do a shot. Yeah. So that came out, and we're all doing <laughs> shots, and we're all drinking, and then like, I'm pretty sure I had a fox signing I had to go to with Mark, and we were like, Mark, he Mark didn't drink at all, but I was hammered, and I go to this fox thing, and I'm trying to meet people, and I'm like, oh man, it was a bit of a mess, but anyway, that kind of that Crocodile game came out probably four or five, probably four times that, that week yeah. leading into um, <laughs> Lenzerheide. And we're still riding every day and like yeah. training and being serious. But yeah, after runs, we'd go play Crocodile, have a few drinks. And yeah. I'm pretty sure I was like pretty drunk three three nights out of that week. And I think Greg was probably four. <laughs> and then we rock up at Lenzerheide. Yeah, he wins, becomes the greatest of all time. And I get the podium and it was just like, pff, that was, it was like a shock to me, but it was kind of cool to see that like you could have all this fun and like, yeah, and it didn't have to be so serious, and you could have fun as long as you're doing all the like ticking all the boxes and riding and doing it all as well. It was, um, and it was cool, and that was a cool thing for me because it kind of like, I guess, validated that hey, like yeah, I, I should be here, and like this is I you can, I can, yeah, I can yeah. do it, yeah, because it was crazy. I know everyone always talks about like you're never going to have that perfect run, 
but I actually made like a really big mistake before the step up and I lost all because I cased it and lost heaps of speed. Yeah. So I'm like, oh man, like if I didn't case that and like all this that playing into it, I'm like you can't do that. Like I was still so happy, but it was almost, I'd never had that feeling at a World Cup that, hey, if I had my perfect run, oof, like you could have won kind of thing. But yeah, yeah that, that was a good time. I remember going there and it just everything seemed easy. Like I wasn't trying to go fast. I was just having fun and it was just like, I remember I went fast in time training and then like even, and then at my qualifying run, I think I got a bit nervous because I knew how well I could do. So, I think I qualified like 19th. So, then like when I came down, I think I, I had the fastest time of the weekend and I put like three seconds into like Loris and Eddie and that. Awesome. And it was just like, oh, that was a good one. But I didn't realize it was going to be as good as it actually was. But it was pretty surreal feeling when like, I think like Stevie came down, I beat him. G came down, I beat him. Troy, who's like beaten me my whole life, uh-huh. came down, I beat him. And I was just like, oh my God, like... <laughs> You're just kind of sitting there and you're like, what? Yeah, just didn't feel real. Didn't feel real at all. But yeah, that was that was a good one. That that one felt really good. Yeah. Well, it, must, it must be quite a, a moment of change, right? Like you suddenly feel like you belong. You know, you've got the mm. pace. Do you Did you take energy from that or did you find more pressure? Now you know you can do it. No, I definitely took energy from that. I felt like I felt like I belong there. I felt confident and like it's, this is from the year before where like I'd finished probably like 40 like something in the overall and yeah. my best result i think was 18 which was like not terrible but not yeah. not great not that and not like i you know because i feel like all athletes know how good they kind of can be and it was kind of like proving that to myself i'm like oh i can actually be that good so then the rest of the season it wasn't as great as that like i had but i was just consistent then i got like 14ths and 15ths and just like just world cups became a bit funner i think i like found my place a bit more and it just yeah i just enjoyed it more so like i didn't have any like i didn't back-to-back podiums but i was just like consistently in the top 15 and yeah, yeah it was just like a good year i ended 12th in the overall which was yeah considering how like last year had gone i was like man and i was like just off the top 10 and yeah looking back at that now it was a pretty good achievement for someone yeah. like i was still working full-time as well at home yeah fair do still yeah. not on much for salary then i wasn't getting paid at all no just yeah. travel yeah, and yeah. just travel and everything yeah. so yeah i was yeah, not not. I got like bonuses and that was it. But it was just yeah. I think that's pretty cool. Like working full time, not getting paid, and being yeah. on the World Cup podium. I feel like is something <laughs> something to be proud of. It is pretty awesome. Mm. And you made the move to Intense in 2016. Mm. Obviously, a very different setup. But that team really seemed to suit you. There was a few years there where like all you boys seemed really tight. Like it was a good vibe. That that team was going really well then. Yeah, that was. Um like I, I didn't really want to leave Da Vinci. I was quite, I was quite happy there with a lot of things, but they had a bit of. Um, it was kind of tricky because Gabe and Stevie was like father and son uh-huh. in a way because of how like the dynamic was. Yeah, which I think was like really strong. But then they'd also fight like father and son. Okay, and then that kind of I felt like me and Mark were like kind of the. The, the fallback is <laughs> if Stevie had pissed off Gabe or something, he'd kind of take it out on me and, okay. and Mark with just like just little stuff. So that kind of happened a little bit towards the end. And I was like, okay, I want, I think I want change. Yeah. And then the intense thing came up and that was with Jack at the time, uh, Luca Cometti and Nick Nestorov. Yeah. And just to be on a team with Jack, like we'd grown up racing together and I was like, oh man, like <laughs> that's, that's like a dream come true kind of thing. So I ended up making the move over there and, the first year was just like it it was actually it was funny because again i talked about like it was a struggle in 14 it was like almost an even bigger struggle in 16 because uh-huh. um i got paid then so i like i didn't have to work at okay. home but yeah. it was actually 
maybe the worst thing that could have happened because I just like, I was so happy with like being on a team with Jack and all that and being away. But before the season actually started, just having all this free time and like not understanding how to use it. And then again, like felt like, I, imagine the first car that I caught when I was running after it. This was like the second car again. I was like, oh man, I got to go through this again. And it, like, to be honest, like I kind of like, it made me a bit, not resentful, but I kind of like just didn't like riding as much just because okay. I felt like I had to do it. Yeah. When I was doing it to chase something and when it just seemed like I want to get there, it was really fun. And then when I felt like I'd like someone was expecting me even more so, like it just kind of, I don't know, I don't know how my mind works, but I feel like when someone expects something out of me, it does, I don't give my best. I feel okay. like when it's like comes from within of me wanting something or yeah, chasing something, yeah, I yeah. feel like I really dive into that. Because I've had similar things even with um, my podcast. As soon as people put money into it, I actually didn't enjoy it as much because okay. I felt like I was doing it for other people, not for myself. And yeah. I felt like I had to put out certain amount of episodes or I had to do something. Yeah. Where at the moment, I just do what I want and it feels quite natural and good. And I understand if you want to build it up, obviously, you've got to like accept that and move forwards. But yeah, it's always been a weird thing. I always find it's funny how money can get in the way of like a passion yeah, as soon for sure. as like you're paid to do something is like a passion then becomes a job and it's just a it's a weird thing to navigate, I guess. Yeah. Mm, interesting. But again, like after that first year on the team, you worked your way through that like yeah. challenge, I guess. And then 17, it looked like the first win in Elite might be on the cards <laughs> out in Monson Anne, which was an insane race. I mean, I, I wish I'd been there, but an insane race to watch on TV. In fact, I got to see the the winning bike um in Martin Whiteley's Oh, when you went museum did, yeah, a couple yeah, yeah. of weeks back, which was was insane to see. Talk us through that from your perspective, because it it really did look like it was going to be a win, right? That and, was that was a weird one. Hey, it was like I came because I actually I qualified like terrible. I I got uh -huh. arm pump really bad, like worse than I normally would, and I just literally got halfway down because my splits were good at the top, and then I got this really bad arm pump, and I think I went from like fifteenth to like forty second or something. And I was like, oh, man, like I've got the speed like. <laughs> yeah. And I think my run that I did would have possibly been top 10 or right around there. Yeah. Um, but then when I got to the bottom, because I think I put four seconds into whoever was in there. Yeah, I think, it was a decent margin. I think it was like Mike Jones or something. So, uh -huh. I was still like a decent rider at the time. Yeah. But then the rain, yeah, the heavens opened up and it started pissing rain down. And it actually rained, had a big storm and then stopped. So, it was really, because people were coming in like 16, 17 seconds back and I'm like, shit got it kind of thing and on. It, yeah. it was weird though because it was i didn't feel good about it like it was kind of like it was a weird it was a weird feeling like i was happy because i'm like i'm gonna win and i was kind of having a shit year in 17 so i'm like well that's good but yeah also it's like this is gonna kind of if i ever do win one properly this is kind of gonna take away from it i guess it was yeah, this weird okay. feeling of like being happy but also like kind of like an imposter in a way it was like it was a strange feeling and yeah Honestly, when Gwyn beat me, I was almost relieved in a way. And I, I say this because I remember like when, just say when Maddie won and Sam was the real winner. Yeah. And when um, Fael won in Lords, it's like people forget about that pretty quickly. Well, they mm -hmm. forget about who won. Like they remember Sam. They don't, remember, they don't really remember Lords at all. But for Gwyn to win, that's going to go down in history forever. And I'm attached to that yeah. in second. And I'm like, I'd rather be attached to history that's remembered uh -huh. than the guy that won in the rain and no one cares. So, yeah. 
I was like kind of relieved and then happy that like that run is going to go down in history, like his chainless run as well, where Paul Conifer and just got <laughs> yeah. snapped. Like he, he doesn't, he's not kind to Aussies, but I think it's quite <laughs> cool that like that history is going to be remembered. And someone's like, oh, I remember when the guy won in the wet and the other guy came down. And I, I will say this though, it wasn't dry when I came down. It was still wet. <laughs> it was still wet and slippery. It just wasn't raining at the time. It had rained that morning, so it was still quite slick. But everyone says in the wet and in the dry, I just got to... Yeah, it wasn't quite completely different no, circumstances, no. was it, for sure? Oh, the, he had it way worse, like way, way worse, yeah. for sure. Like, But it's just funny when people say, like, oh, he did in the wet and he did in the dry. I was like, it wasn't dry. <laughs> so, were you, some water. were you kind of rooting for him then on the hot seat? Like, when he was coming down, you're like, oh, man, this looks like it might be on. Yeah, I was honestly, it was funny because Jack came down and got close. And, then yeah. I, and that's when I was like, ooh. And I think he gave hope to everyone as well because it started raining again. And I think obviously when it rained, it wasn't so muddy and slippery. Yeah. Like it was still slippery, but it wasn't that cloggy, yeah, yeah. slow mud. Runs quicker, yeah. And then as soon as he came down and kind of set the bar a bit higher, then I think Danny came down, was close. Lloyd came down, it was close. And I was kind of like, it was kind of cool because I wasn't, nervous mm -hmm. like i felt like i didn't deserve it because i didn't deserve it so it wasn't like if i'd come down in the rain and was in first and like yeah. waiting it wasn't like oh my god it was it was a weird feeling hey but when he won i was like that's insane that's insane that he did that and now i'm attached to this like mountain biking yeah. history forever so yeah I'll, I'll, t I'll take it for that cool race for sure and then 18 you went on took another third place in lozenge which is a track that was pretty unique and pretty different to anything else we've we've raced mm. so aaron took the win luca then you blanky and dakota so another awesome group of guys to be stood amongst on the podium what was it about that weekend that that worked for you oh i got my shit together in the off season <laughs> <laughs> go on then what so, does that involve well it involves not knowing if you've got a contract that year so i finished 2017 off a little bit stronger i actually came here and i was sitting seventh the last split and i crashed right at the bottom uh-huh and then I got 11th at, no, 11th, I think 11th at World Champs. But besides that, like I had obviously the rain and stuff, but yeah. besides that, the year was pretty average okay. in my in my opinion anyway. And I got to the end of the year and I was like talking with a tent and I was like, do I have a contract next year? And they just straight up said, we, we don't know at this point. I think they were talking to some other people. And it went, I think it was about a week and a half went by in the off season where I didn't have anything lined up because I was kind of like, yeah, I'll be with them again. So, I wasn't really searching or anything. Yeah. And that week and a half, man, was like torture. Hey, like it went on so long and I was like, is this all over? Do I start looking for other rides? And then eventually Bernat Guardia, the team manager called me, he said, hey, like we want to put you on again for uh -huh. 2018. And I was like, all right, well, if I'm going to like, this was almost all gone. I'm like, I need to get my shit together. So, Went to my coach. We're like, literally said like, I'm need to get my shit together. Let's do a proper program, and just literally just wanted it. Started training my ass off. Started like, yeah, like just putting every, like just ticking all the boxes again, doing everything I know I needed to yeah. do, and I like worked super hard, like really hard, like put a lot of effort in, and just really wanted it again. Like really got the fire in my belly yeah. going again, and I thought it was a cool feeling to go to croatia and i think i gel with shorter tracks as well really intense short tracks mm -hmm. i feel like i can just get in a good groove but it was um i remember crossing the line and looking back and seeing fastest time because it was when the fast guys went first so you'd yeah. always come down and you'd be like 10th or 20th or whatever i never turned around and seen green before <laughs> so like i turned around and saw green by like i think i was a second up on Gwyn or something and this is in his heyday and i was like it was just like, yeah, getting this validation that I'm like, oh man, like we're like, like, yeah, we can kind of <laughs> do it. So yeah, turning around and seeing that timing board go green was just like, that's almost one of the 
best feelings because it's like I I went from the end of 2017 where I almost didn't have a ride and no one was really after me yeah. to then 2018 and I ended up being the last man down the hill and I remember I had this like little smirk in my face up there I was just like look at me now kind of thing check and me out yeah so that was that was quite cool unfortunately because they changed the rule Brooke actually qualified fastest and I was second but they had a big UCI was kind of messing yeah. around with the, the start that. order yeah it was honestly it was stressful because I was in my hotel the night before the race and I'd qualified second I was like yep gotta go down second and Brooke was last they put out a start list. I was starting like 17th and uh-huh. Brooke was starting like 20th or something because they wanted to, because we weren't, I was in the top 20 overall, but he wasn't. Right. And then, and then they changed it again. And this is at like 8.30 at night or not. Yeah. It's like night. Yeah. I think it was 9 p.m. or something. I remember I was in bed and we got sent the start list and it went from like, I was 17th and I'm like, what the hell? Like I've worked so hard for this. Yeah. Like put me down where I should be put down. Anyway, then they changed it again and because Brooke wasn't in the top 20, he was 24th, I think. They put him down at the end of the top 20 and then they put me last. So, I'm like sitting in bed about to go to sleep. I'm like, (laughs) shit, I'm the last guy down there. Like, obviously, it was a cool feeling to like be that guy, but I was like, and then it added to it. And I was like, man, like it's like... You don't you want <laughs> you don't want any more stress and then you get this but yeah that that was cool and I think it was I was pretty happy with myself how like I like handled it all and yeah t- to I obviously I really wanted to win but to be like on the podium and back up the podium after qualifying first and having that pressure and and after how last year had gone it was like yeah that that race felt really good to like come out and like kind of again I kind of feel good when when I do really badly it almost like motivates me and i feel like you kind of become the underdog again and then yeah. you come out swinging i think that's kind of a cool feeling nice and a unique podium to be on as well right by the waterfront yeah i remember when we me and jack and charlie got there we were just like we joked around i was like oh if you're gonna get the podium this is the one because we all did backflips and stuff into the water and you're yeah. in this town i was like that's pretty memorable and there was I think there was three americans on it yeah yeah there luca, was. luca yeah. dakota and, and Gwyn. yeah and blinky yeah it was kind of like a rare kind of like i don't think yeah it doesn't happen very often in nah. the current like no, state you, of the sport for sure you kind of get like the the kind of normal top five i guess or yeah. thereabouts and then yeah that was kind of mixed bunch it was quite cool nice and then a move after that in 19 to scott and that came off the back of a goggle deal is that right yeah it was quite funny i um after 17, we were sponsored by Von Zipper and then they, the team was, and anyway, they wanted to go separate ways. So, I reached out um, to a few people, didn't get very many replies, which I thought was quite funny, um, but fair enough. It's like, didn't do that well again. People aren't that interested. So, sent out a few replies. Anyway, Scott got back to me and said, yeah, we'll, we'll do your goggle deal. It was with um, Julian Wagner at the time, mm-hmm. who's now like my proper boss, but yeah. It was quite funny, like got the goggles, did some video stuff for him and then obviously got the podium first first race and it's quite, it's quite cool. Like you never know where a relationship will go and that kind of just started off, yeah, goggle deal and then I think because I put out some like they kind of just said, yeah, go to the race and wear them and I did like video stuff for him and I think I quite promoted them quite well and I think they saw that and were like, hey, this kid could be something. So yeah. it was quite it was quite cool way to start a relationship, just a small deal that turned into something bigger but... It was um it was funny like touching on the people that didn't reply to the the goggle thing after lozenge i'm not going to say who it was but a guy came up to me and i was like oh what are you doing next year for goggles and i was like oh i'm signed with scott now and he's like oh you should have hit us up and i was like i did hit you up and he's like oh are you sure i'm like no 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 it was you i got i got your contact through martin whiteley 
I sent you an email, you yeah. didn't reply. I'm like, fair enough. Like I wasn't doing that well, but don't come and say that to me then. I thought that was like, yeah, you kind of walked, you kind of, cool. you kind of walked into that one. I was like, no hard feelings, man. But yeah, don't, don't do that. But I thought that was quite funny as well. But yeah, it was, I didn't kind of, I didn't really want to leave intense. I was quite happy there. Like yeah. the, everyone on the team, there was nothing like that was like pulling me away. I wasn't like, I wanted to get away from something. I think it was just, yeah, cool opportunity to kind of separate myself on scott and they mm-hmm. offered me my own mechanic like a signature goggle like it was yeah it was quite a cool cool yeah. image i saw the bike i thought the bike was quite cool and yeah it was like a bit of a daunting jump and i kind of not regret it but i do miss the days of like me chuck jack nick like it was yeah you not to be having a lot of fun with oh, that crew man, that was like still to this day some of the best days of my life racing and traveling yeah a bike i remember just like going to Morzine or World Cups and it's like, it didn't seem like a job. It just seemed like you're with your buddies and we were all like, looking back, we're all going so fast. Like I think that Croatia thing, Jack got six, he just missed the podium and Chuck, I think was in like 11th or 12th or Mm -hmm. something. So yeah, Jack had a good Fort William and yeah, yeah. we're all, we're all on. And we, we always, we always joked about it, but like, yeah, the double podium of me and Jack would have been cool because he had an old photo of when we were like little kids (laughs) racing. I think we were probably 13 or 14. And our other mate Tom Crimmins was on it, so it would have been cool to like have the World Cup podium and then the the like when we were kids. I yeah. thought we were always saying we need to share both of them at once, but yeah, he just missed it by like point one or something. It was nothing, but yeah, the years with those guys traveling around, yeah, yeah, that was that was that was a really good time. Nice. Was it hard to like assimilate with the Scott team because it's quite French speaking mm. team? And do you speak French? It's, I pick up words. Okay. No, I'm not going to say I speak French uh-huh. at all. I like. I, yeah no <laughs> no fair same yeah. here yeah was it um, was it hard to be in that environment after being in like american team or english speaking teams yeah at the start it hit me pretty hard like i got to maribor and everyone on the team speaks like really good english yeah. so like i always feel bad about like i'm the one that's like not knowing your language and i'm uh-huh. on your team and i'm in your country it's like i'm the rude one but yeah um when i got to maribor it was like kind of hit in the face with that fact that i'm on it i luckily had my own mechanic which they they gave me which was a, a mate that actually got me into racing darcy wilkinson mm-hmm. so he actually got me into racing i thought it was cool that i got into world into world cup mechanicing but we got to the first race and i was actually yeah we went to dinner and everyone's speaking french and i'm kind of sitting at the end of the table with darcy and i was like ah. mm. yeah so that was but that honestly that was mainly because I didn't know anyone that well. Obviously, you bond and become better friends with yeah. everyone on the team. And I, I love everyone on the team. Everyone's great. But it was, yeah, I remember being there and I was just like, what have I done? This isn't the right decision. And then managed to build good relationships. I got 11th at the first race. It was like a big relief. Like that was like, oh, man, we, we can still go fast on this bike, <laughs> which is nice. But it was, um, it's still, it's tricky sometimes. Like you get a lot of english people together they're going to speak english you get a lot of french people together they're going to speak french and sometimes being away now for four months it becomes you just get a bit lonely i yeah. guess it's yeah. like you're on a french team everyone's speaking different language you don't feel quite part of the team you feel a bit separate mm-hmm. so there is times when i'm like kind of yeah feel a bit isolated in a way yeah and i feel like this sport is very isolating as well i feel like i, was, I watched this heard a thing um it was a documentary about Tiger Woods. Okay. And a guy was talking about how any, if you want to be the best at any kind of sport or acting or whatever, like it carries with it a certain level of isolation. And I was like, yeah, that's pretty true. And like the more famous you get or the better you get, it's like that carries it with it. Like okay. a certain level of, I guess you've like kind of like hidden away. And I yeah. find like 
when you're on a team that is French, like or when you're on a team like that's your family. And yeah. If you don't feel quite like on that thing, then you're kind of even more so alone. So it, it's something I've battled with. Even being in Australia, it's mm-hmm. like hard to have like a proper. I don't know what you'd say, like relationships with people because yeah. everyone works a nine to five. You're an athlete. You yeah. race your bike. It's like, yeah, there's a lot of times where you'd be, I talked to Finn about this. He was the same. He's like, he, he trains by himself. He goes to the gym by himself. He like, and it's just the fact that no one else is on like that schedule. It's not like you don't want to train with other people, but there's not that many pro mountain bikers that live <laughs> where I live kind of thing. So it's, it does get hard sometimes, but it's like, yeah, you got to weigh up the positives and the negatives yeah. and, and go from there. Interesting. This is my observation looking from the outside, so it might be way off the mark and tell me if it is, but I feel like from kind of 2019 onwards to now, you've gone from being like Dean Lucas, one of the riders, to Dean Lucas, who is Dean Lucas. It feels like you've got like... <laughs> Came in of my shell. <laughs> more of you's kind of come out. You're having more fun. You're letting your personality shine. You've done what you want to do and kind of followed your path in a stronger way than before. Does that resonate with you do you feel like that's happened or do you think it's just like that was always kind of you yeah i see that i think i was a bit more open after that i had like some really like life-changing i guess moments at the end of 2019 and Uh like realized a lot of things about like where i want to be who i want to be who i want to be around yeah kind of like where i want my future to go and i guess that kind of was like kick-started this new way of thinking and being and then COVID happened and i think that kind of gave me another new perspective on like what you need or what you want or happiness and all this other mm-hmm. stuff and being yourself and projecting that. And I think, yeah, it was like that kind of came out. And then I think I think last year I kind of just like kind of poured fuel on the fire and just kind of went out there. Like even the hair stuff, that was never really planned. It just kind of started <laughs> happening and people liked it. And I was just like, eh, why not? <laughs> okay. Like, yeah, who cares? It yeah. was like, there's not this big plan around it. It just kind of happens. And I think more people should be more out there because – it's funny how like I've had other athletes come up to me and they're like, oh, I want to be kind of out there and do crazy stuff and I wish I had the confidence to do that. And I was like, man, just just do it. Yeah. Like I think when I've started doing it, a lot of people look at you and you kind of feel like, Ugh, and then you're just like, and then after a couple of days, like who cares? It doesn't matter. And it like adds personality. Like really all, like people say we're athletes, but really we're just like billboards, just fast billboards that go down the hill. Like you just, you, we're paid to be looked at, literally we're paid to be looked at on yeah. something, whether it's a bike, whether it's gear, whether it's anywhere like, eyes on you is what sells the product so true be interesting yeah. look interesting say interesting stuff like yeah. it's I so is it, is it is that come that is the motivation to be that way come from something that makes you a happier human or has it come from just a realization that it's maybe it's going to make my like only better at my job i'm going to get more eyes on me for my sponsors like where what's the motivation for that i think i like to make people feel feel that they can be more than they are okay or do more than they have been or like get certain feelings like my like it's funny i used to ride because i think i really love riding which i still like riding but i like almost riding more now because it gives me a platform to then motivate people to do more or be more or see more and yeah i think that's quite fulfilling mm-hmm. and like when i've done the podcast thing or yeah or done a good result people are really motivated and they've like come up to me and like oh i got this out of that and i did this and it's like that's real and yeah, i feel yeah. like when you can project project stuff like that onto people that then it helps them change their life in a positive way it's like that's like the real reason mm-hmm. like it was crazy when i was in i always asked myself why do i ride like why do i race and why do i put so much energy into this yeah and it was funny when i saw 
Finn win in Mont Saint Anne, and I saw like the emotion of how much like he inspired people and he moved people and he like uplifted people like everyone there and I was like that's why I race because to get that feeling out of people and I guess now I haven't been doing it so much with results but I've done it uh-huh. with how I am as a person and how I project myself and how I guess people take it in and I think it's trying to like it's obviously results to do that through results is really good as well but I also yeah. I find like if the results aren't there, well, you've still got to find other ways to be a good athlete or good person and project and and do that. So, yeah, my big things now, just like I really like encouraging people to be more than what they think they can be because I guess I was a person that was like always doubted myself and then got really good at something and then you realize, oh, you can be more than that or you can do more than that or you can be happier or you could be more excited or you could be like whatever you want to be. So, I think that's a cool thing to, to be and I think how I've changed as a person has like from what I get back anyway has helped a lot of other people change and like motivated them to be more and do more. I'm like, oh, that's cool. Yeah. I get I get a kick out of that. That seems yeah. like worthwhile and worth doing. So for sure. Up to up to keep trying to do that. Nice. And have you felt an impact then in like your fan base and the interaction and stuff like that from you putting yourself out there more and trying to take that approach yeah yeah i've got especially it's funny in america man i like there's nowhere else in the world where i really feel like famous and then i go to america and people like come up to me and hug me man give me beer and like like love me like i i don't even in australia like i feel like love but in america like i think it's a, it's more of an open culture yeah when i go there man i'm like oh my god like you've like it's 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 so good. Like last year I crashed and hurt my shoulder yeah. and I walked the track and I thought it was going to be horrible watching the World Cup and it was like one of the best things I've <laughs> ever done. Hey, I got to the bottom, man, and I was like, because all these people like, I got so much energy from everyone and yeah. just so positive as well. Like no one really comes, no one, I haven't had anyone come up to me and be like, I hate what you're saying or I hate what you're doing. And like, if you do, like tell me, we can talk about it. Yeah. But yeah, it's always quite quite a positive experience it's yeah it's yeah i've i've only kind of received good stuff and it's funny sometimes people will like kind of come out and say oh, i don't agree with this or whatever and i'll have like a proper conversation with them yeah. like a a mum the other day didn't agree with um a design i had on one of my jumpers okay and at the start she was quite angry and i kind of like just chatted with her about the reasoning behind it and how it all played out then by the end of the conversation, she's like, good luck this weekend. We're rooting for you. And I was like, sick. Like, nice. Instead of just like throwing hate at hate, it was kind of like, let's just unpack this and yeah. understand she had her reasons why. I had my reasons why we put it on the table and then we both were like, okay, cool. And I was like, that's that's how you deal with stuff. Nice. That's a good way to do it. Yeah. And ha- has like, I'm going to call it being more Dean, but I think it's just you feeling more confident to put everything out there and, and be the way you want to be mm. has that had a positive impact on your own personal mental health yeah for sure yeah no i think it's like sometimes it, it's funny i've got these like two modes where i'm like i want to be out there and i want to say all this stuff and do all this stuff and be this big person there's uh-huh. other times like i just want to throw my phone away and go live <laughs> in my van for however long so there is like pros and cons to it but on a whole yeah i feel a lot better just being like i guess open honest and being being yeah. yourself because it's like who else are you going to be? I think a lot of people try and copy other people and yeah. it's just you're never going to be the best copycat or the best of that person mm-hmm. where if you can be generally yourself, it's just like it's just more interesting and people like gravitate towards that a lot more. Yeah. But the right people gravitate. If you're being someone else, the wrong people are going to come to you because you're putting out their energy and For like sure. they're not your people. So, yeah. I think, yeah, in the long run, it's just going to be 
everything's going to flow smoother and be better if yeah. you can just yeah be genuinely yourself and cool. like understand that people don't have to like you for that either like that's a big thing i used i used to think everyone had to like me until i realized I'm like you don't have to like me you can hate me that's fine you're different yeah that's okay and once i accepted that because i'd always be like oh why doesn't he like me I'm like what and i would get i'd try and like almost try and turn people and then once i accepted the fact i'm like man like sometimes i don't like me and it's fine like yeah and once right. you accept that i yeah. think it's like it's just like you can just be like uh water off a duck's back and go okay i'm just gonna go hang out with the people that do like me and it'll be fine so yeah nice where do you think we're at like how healthy is downhill from a mental health perspective because there is a lot of pressure there's a lot of media attention there's social media demands there's a lot going on for athletes it, it is quite hectic i think there's a bit of masculine um toxic max- masculinity involved in it but i uh-huh. think that's just like like it's it's hard like male athletes at the pinnacle like everyone's really good but i think when you get like everyone at the top it's like it is a bit like okay. boys club in a way uh-huh. um and that's not like pointing fingers at anyone that's just like male racing as a in any kind of sport i think is yeah. a bit like dominant towards that i think it's super healthy though the way it's going it's a bit i think everyone's a bit worried about all the change but like even listening to the thing with martin it kind of brought me back to the free caster thing and when everyone was oh red bull red bull's gonna change it everyone's freaking out and yeah it's just like we just don't like change we're very like stuck in our ways and i think it's probably going to be fine it's probably going to keep growing the way it's growing and i think the whole thing is just not knowing i think when people don't don't know something they speak in whispers and it turns into something worse and yeah i'm kind of just like yeah, we'll wait and see but it's yeah it's going to be interesting but i think it's going to be good mm-hmm. i really i really think it's going to be a good thing and i think i'm quite positive for the future of it all like you look at how many people are in Leger and like when athletes are getting police escorted away because <laughs> yeah. there's so many fans, I was like, well, that's got to be a positive. Like, that hasn't ever happened before. Like, that's that's new. And just being there with that many people and racing in front of that many people, I'm like, how can you say that the sport isn't going in a r- the right direction? So, yeah. I think it's very healthy. It's very cool. How was your race run with that crowd? Oh, it was insane. It was insane. I remember at the top, um, one of my mates, Jackson Frew, was about to drop in in front of me and he's just like, how good is this going to be? And I was like... <laughs> Man, I couldn't imagine being a French rider there, let alone like Luke or Amari, because even in practice, they'd go by and like everyone was kind of loud and then they'd see Luke or Amari or Loris and it would just be like, ah. <laughs> and like I already couldn't hear anything. I was like, I, f- I remember halfway down, I had this thought that I was like, I'm in a video game right now. Like this isn't, what is real? Like what what is going on here? Like yeah. to have that many people screaming at you while you do the thing that you've been practicing <laughs> pretty much half your life for is like, it's a trip and yeah it's 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 insane whenever i can because i do better with noise like if it's a crowd like at lords in the middle that was like the part with all the people i rode the best there because i like for some reason like if it's loud it blocks out all my thinking and it just goes to reaction where then it's funny because it was so loud and then went quiet just before the finish and that's when i was like oh my god it's quiet now oh my god we're like oh okay and then i start i get stuck in my own head but yeah the the noise is good for me if it's loud top to bottom like I'm in the zone. If it goes quiet, I'm like, I start to question things and yeah, it gets you a bit weird. You need some uh, earbuds with crowd noise playing into I your helmet. Th- I honestly have thought about that. Yeah. Like that's, yeah, I have, I've thought about doing that, but I don't know if that would be weird because it's not actually real. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, you know I, it's I, not real. Yeah, yeah, I haven't done it, but yeah, whenever there's like a loud crowd, I, I don't know, it's like my mind shifts in a positive, good way and I seem to focus in and yeah, Leger had it the whole way down. So it was, yeah, it was really cool. Insane. He also seems to be making a lot more of like the opportunities that present while you're away racing like it feels like you've 
tr- managed to fit some traveling around racing mm. like do you feel any of those changes that you've made to facilitate that have had a negative impact on performance and if so are you cool with that because you've been visiting all these places for a long time but i'm guessing you just see the resort and the track and that's it right yeah it was it's a thing that i like it's hard it's, you don't want to complain about it because we are in epic spots but like i've been coming to valdesol for 10 years and it's it's nice to see other parts of the world and like yes we like get a lot of free time but our free time is also taken up with like recovery training walking the track like yeah you don't get as much as like people always think we're on holidays and i'm like nah man like this is i'm working now and then when i'm home i'm still kind of training and working so it is it is tricky and i think a massive appeal to racing world cups is you get to see the world and someone else gets to pay for your plane tickets and i was like man that's badass and i think over time it kind of loses a bit of its i don't know what you just say like flair or whatever like it doesn't seem yeah. as appealing when you're going back to fort william it's like oh fort william i'm like i want to go to races where i'm like oh my god this is a new place and you're like i went to velda Fassa last year for the ews and it was just cool to go to a new place it's just sweet seeing new stuff and yeah i think with the world cups they seem to get kind of in this in this kind of rut of just doing this going to the same places every yeah. year and it's you hate complaining because it's still epic where we are but the same place over and over again it does like hey let's go like to brazil again let's go mm-hmm. to asia let's go back to australia in different spots like the world's a big place so to go to the same places back to back to back and then i know everyone says like oh f1 does that as well i'm like yeah but maybe they should change as well like yeah yeah i i i think i've got the same my dad traveled traveled a lot for work and uh-huh. he still does and i think i've kind of got the same bug that he's got where i'm like i like to see new places and experience new people and new yeah. things so i would love for the world cups to yeah explore more 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 places and have like just more opportunity to like meet new people and cultures and yeah, yeah give people a chance to witness what we do like imagine going to asia like i know they have races that they organize themselves that have more cameras on the track filming like in china and stuff than the world cups do like and they have more prize money and people and it's just like insane but it's their own little thing so i'm sure if the world cup went there man we'd be like rock stars so hopefully in the future that that happens and hopefully somehow you can entice people to like because it's all like like no one bids for it but i think you might need to make it more appealing f- to make them want to bid for it or mm. yeah share the love a little bit more like i love racing in france but the fact next year we've got two races in france and there's none like in australia new zealand and all yeah. this stuff it's just like come on come on share yeah. it around hopefully it's going to come that seems to be the direction they want to take it but i guess mm-hmm. hard to do hard to do overnight yeah but, i think it's going to be yeah. a bit of a process but if they want to bunch stuff in, maybe they can go race an enduro in Medina and a downhill in Medina weekends back to back, something yeah. like that. Like we've got places that can do it, but I guess it's just the infrastructure and the people wanting to actually do it. Yeah. To make it work. Mm. It'd be cool. So when you reflect back then on those years, like let's say 15, 18, where you had those big results. So I didn't really answer your question then either about the whole traveling around. Oh, thing. Like whether there's compromises with that. Like, do you feel like you can do take the time away from the races and enjoy the the time to travel without it negatively impacting it. your performance yeah i think there's like pros and cons like i love to go it's funny i go to amsterdam and i'm like riding this old shitty city bike that's like half falling <laughs> apart with no shoes on and like an unbuttoned shirt through the city like having the time of my life and i think i need that polar opposite to racing a world cup with the like most dialed bike with full body armor full face and i'm like i need to do the polar opposite of that on a bike so i still like riding like love riding a bike and it was like i go there and do that for a week and it like resets me and i feel good so it's like 
you've got to know yourself enough that I need to step away from doing yeah. laps of plenty and morzine to dial the bike in and go do something else and then come back. So, it, it really depends on the person. For uh, me anyway, I need it to like refresh, but I'm sure some people it might affect them in a negative way. But like, again, like I want to see the world while I'm young and can yeah. do this and I don't want to be so like, I need to do this and I need to do that. And yeah, live a little, I think is, is something cool. Like I went to Ukraine last year and went to Chernobyl and checked that out. That was oh, on wow. the bucket list. And yeah. you can't do that now. No, You don't know when you'll be able to do that again. So everyone always says like one day and I always joke around and say one day's code for never. So like instead of saying it, just do it. Yeah, get it done. <laughs> and I had the chance to do it. So I did it and yeah, cool experience. Nice. So yeah, looking back then to, to those big results, 15, 18, getting on those podium spots, do you feel like you were having to make more sacrifices in your life or take more risk than you're happy to do now? Or do you think there's something else like as is is the sport just progressed so that it's harder and harder to get those top spots, what is it you think it would take if you wanted to get from kind of where you are now to those sort of results again? Like, I think I was having more fun back then, to be honest. Okay. I don't think it was, I didn't feel like I was pushing that hard. I think I was like when I'm happy and I've got a smile on my face and I'm having fun, I just go fast and I don't feel like I'm going fast. It doesn't feel, it just, it just works. Like whenever yeah. I've gotten podiums or done really well, it's just like everything's just like I'm like excited to hit that next section. I'm excited to pull off this rock on this gap. It's just like it all just works. Yeah. And I think now, like I touched on before, like it's it's not as fun as it was. And I think that's the thing to try and find like how do you make it as fun as yeah. it was. And I think certain things with like being teammates with Jack and all that and that environment and everything was like very nurturing to have fun because uh -huh. it was easy. It was just easy to like hang out and do laps with your friends. And then I think now it's like I'm trying to find that again. Even today, like I went and did laps because I normally ride a lot alone uh -huh. and that's not really by choice. It's just kind of like Dylan's on his program, Flo's on his program. Yeah. They're doing that, which is fine. Do your thing. But I was like, I like riding with people. I like doing laps with people. And I did one with Phil and he followed and we changed. And yeah. yeah, it was cool. And I was like, that's why I like riding my bike. I don't like just doing solo laps. So yeah, yeah. I'm trying to like find that fun again to like, because I know if I'm having fun, results come if i'm not having fun pff, i don't want to do it and if yeah. you don't want to do something it doesn't really work out so yeah fun's the key here interesting because it looks like from the outside like i said earlier it, it almost looks like you're having more fun now than you were back then so it's amazing how like the perception that comes out of the media content your own social media all of mm. that and i guess it's you know fun in I, different parts of your life as well fun at races versus fun in life is a different thing yeah i think like generally i'm a happier more out there person that yeah. is having more fun outside of being off the bike but in i think life yeah yeah but i think on the bike which is kind of funny as well because um it's like i think 2020 it definitely opened my eyes that I think I always looked at riding as like the be all and end all and I needed that and that was everything. Yeah. I think when 2020 it all got taken away, it kind of gave me this new perspective of like, hey, dude, I can be happy with nothing, doing nothing. It's like I can just be myself and yeah. have fun. I know I really generally found that like I didn't need something. I didn't need something to define my happiness. I could mm -hmm. just generally be happy with little to nothing. And I think it was almost like a thing that's kind of like good and bad in a way. I think it's like when you – there's a – uh, Tony Robbins has a, a thing he says it's like if you want to take the island you've got to burn the boats okay. which means the whole thing it's like you don't want an option B Yeah. and I think after 2020 like I've kind of got more into the podcast thing I found all these other things that I really enjoyed and it was yeah. almost just like these boats showed up to the island kind of thing <laughs> and it like I think kind of took away a bit from like that 
kind of everything or nothing mentality. Yeah, yeah. Like completely. Yeah. So I think that was a thing that kind of played into it. But yeah, I think it's a, a mixture of things. But I think on the bike, like I definitely, it's been a while since I've like been riding and having as much fun as I think I had those years in 2015 and 18 where yeah. I was just like everything was just working for whatever reason. So to get back there, that's where I want to want to get to, but still trying to figure out exactly how to do it. So you need to set up your own team and bring Jack back to downhill. Easy. <laughs> oh man, that would be epic. As far as like, it's, I was thinking the other day, it's kind of sad at the moment because like Nick's racing enduro now. Yeah. Um, Luca Cometti's doing his thing with Crankworks and whatnot. Jack's racing enduro and Jack's been injured and missed it. So I'm like, I'm like the last survivor of the, yeah. of the wolf pack of the intense <laughs> yeah, days. And it was just like, Oh man, like that. Yeah. Just to think back of like how much fun we all had together in the team. It's just like, oh, I missed that. But maybe one day we'll would, get a budget. We'll get bring Jack back on. Yeah. Or would you ever consider go, like going across to Enduro to be more, more with that lot? And I don't know. Hey, it's like I went and did one and I enjoyed the fact that you kind of just ride your bike all day and the tracks aren't as gnarly and it's more chilled. But yeah. it just doesn't quite have the like race atmosphere and mm -hmm. feeling like i love racing when you get so in that flow state that you are it's almost like this outer body in body in your head experience where you're so focused on one thing and it's the crowd and everything yeah and you just don't get that in enduros it's like you're riding at like 90 percent on an enduro and you're trying uh -huh. to be clean and smooth and everything and it just doesn't quite like it i enjoy it it's fun but yeah. for racing wise it's just like it doesn't appeal to me like downhill does downhill okay. is like a different animal so yeah I might just do it for fun, but I can't see myself going there full time. Okay. All right. You and Jack on a downhill team then. I'm <laughs> up for that. I was trying to get him to race world champs in Luger. I was like, come on, man. Like Connor's out with a concussion and I think someone else was out as well. I was like, come on, like just ask for a wild card entry. And he's like, no, I've got to rest. And I was like, dude, just enter and like cruise down, sink tins on the side of the track with everyone, do whips. Like it'd be, <laughs> do, a, do a vlog, it'd be cool. And he's just like, nah, I need to chill. And I was like, fair enough. But Fair play. Mm. One day. One day. I think it One day back. we'll bring him I'd back. I'd like to see him back. Yeah, it would be good fun. Cool, man. Um, I want to just touch on concussion because it's a subject that feels like it's evolved a lot this season. We've had a lot of riders out mm. for periods of time as well, which in a way is good, I think, because it highlights we're taking it seriously, whereas riders maybe in the past would have just, you know, plodded on with it. Mm. You've definitely had, you know, your own big uh, crashes, your Fort William crash. What mm. year was that? 18, 19? 18. It was straight after the the third place at Croatia yeah. I got life came and smacked me in the face that was a biggie right like yeah. airlifted off and no I wasn't airlifted I got no. I was um I think they were talking about um bringing a chopper in but okay. then they realized that I was like stable and could move my neck okay. so then they I just got stretched out but yeah. that was apparently man I'm I'm <laughs> I'm glad I got knocked out because I just I just went blank okay. like I remember like the mechanical happened and I hit the ground and then I remember the, the rim hitting the dirt and that I remember the sound and that was it. Okay. And then I woke up in like this nice dream where I like didn't know where or what I was, but I'd hit the lip of the like, you know, the hip at the end of the motorway, at yeah. the start of the motorway, yeah, sorry. Yeah. I like, like hit the lip and like cartwheeled over that and I was knocked out under the chairlift. So everyone that was going up for their run could see me knocked out. And apparently I was out for like two minutes or something. Wow. Like I was out for a long time and I didn't like, I was obviously like I was out, so I didn't know how bad it was. And yeah. I, I did like, I obviously got whiplash and concussion and it was sore, but I was all good really. Yeah. But people would come up to me in the pits, man. They're like, are you okay? Like, are you all good? And I was like, yeah. And they're like, 
And then cause people were like generally really concerned, but I guess you see someone sprawled out and you're going over like a good amount of time. You're like seeing them on the yeah. ground and you're going over. So that one was, that one was pretty scary. Cause it was like no fault of my own. That was the scariest thing. Uh-huh. Like I can accept if I've crashed because of a fault of my own, but yeah. having a freak mechanical like that, I was just like, man, and coming off such a high from Croatia and I felt like I had all this confidence mm-hmm. and I was riding good. And then, yeah, can show you that it can all just shit happens and you kind of back to square one again. And yeah. that that was that was tough to swallow because I felt like I'd put in all this work and I was back to where I should have been. And yeah. I remember honestly, like I was like, I'm I'm still gonna race. I'll still race because like obviously concussion. You're like, I'm fine. I'm fine. <laughs> anyway, the doctor. But the thing was, I could still have raced. Yeah. If I had really wanted to, I could still race. And the doctor's like, Oh no, you can't race. And I was like, Okay, fair enough. I shouldn't. But yeah. if I was like. It was your choice. Yeah, like you stops, still could have yeah, gone up. Stop yeah. me. Yeah, kind of yeah. thing. But then, I like I raced the the week later. Yeah. Which looking back now, I'm just like, what were you doing? Like, no way that I would try and do that yeah. now. And I remember, um, on the first day, because with a concussion, like I felt fine. Like I did, a, I did tests and stuff, and they yeah. were like weren't great, but they weren't terrible. Uh-huh. And then the team's like we don't want you to but if you want you can and i'm like i've worked so hard on blah 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 all this shit yeah so i went to follow chuck first round and he just dropped me in three corners and i was like oh man <laughs> and i remember at fort william like like i could yeah we're just we're on the same pace so yeah. that happened and each run i got like a fair bit better but then at the end of the day, I remember I was like down near the bottom and I hear rider and I was like, shit. So I pull off and this guy with gardening gloves that came and raced on a V10, it was like a bit of a joke when he was racing, but he was quite, he's kind of quick, but <laughs> not that quick. Anyway, he passed me and um, I just remember got back to the pits, man. And I'm like in tears. Hey, like, I'm just like, my, like from going from a high of like third place, yeah. riding good to then like, what am I doing? Yeah. What am I doing? And I remember I was like so upset after that. But then each day, like honestly, from the day one to race day, like eighty percent better, like so much Amazing. better. Yeah. But I still, my head was still out of, like slightly out. So just for example, on the motorway, you've got like the tabletop, you've got to scrub. Yeah. And like I just didn't scrub it. Like I just missed the the mark of like where the timing's off. Yeah. Or, and I yeah. just over jump. And like I watched the run, and you probably you wouldn't really be able to pick it if you watched it. But you just see all these like I saw all these little mistakes, and I was yeah. just because my brain was not in touch with where i was at yeah and it's kind of crazy i think i got top 20 still with that and that was like i was let down hey i was like what are you doing i think i got like 19th or something Uh or or maybe just outside of that but like looking back that now man that's like sketchy so but i could have had a massive crash again and then you've hit your head and the other thing as well when i'd get to the bottom of my run my head would be like pulsating like i have the worst headache i would feel dizzy like my brain would have been like swelling from all like the yeah, yeah. i don't know stress blood whatever you want to call it and yeah that went on for the next three or four races and i was yeah it's no no joke like i couldn't imagine like angel got knocked out at leger and i'm like if he was racing here i'd be like dude like yeah it's not but <laughs> not st- the move but they still look like I he don't could know, if he wants he could if he wants and equally someone should have stopped him riding down at leger like, but when you've just been knocked out, and if you think you're okay, you're not going to stop yourself. Yeah. The marshals are volunteer. Yeah. So they're not going to stop it. Like, who, yeah, surely you, someone needs to be responsible to say, look, because he was, you could see on the live feed, like yeah. he was out. Yeah. For a, ch- a good chunk, not two minutes, but for, yeah, a, yeah. for a bit. Yeah. But like, yeah. Who, someone who should have pulled him yeah, and taken him down the hill. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's a tricky one, isn't it? It's yeah. like George Branding at Wyndham when he concussed himself and then he crashed like three or four times after that. It's just like, get to the bottom, George. But yeah. I guess it's hard in that because it's like someone could crash off camera and a martial like might not know if they're knocked out. I guess yeah. it's a bit of a gray area there. But when it's obvious, you're like, all right, you're done. Yeah. We're pulling you out. And if I'm sure if you're top, yeah, it's... Because then the athletes obviously can have a lot of emotion, like I want to finish my run. It's world champs, blah For blah sure. blah. And yeah. you're just like, man, yeah, it's, yeah, it's a tricky one. I wonder if we'll get to the point where we've got like sensors and things, like in F1, right? There's a light, and if it's flashing red, then they know that the car's had an impact of yeah. whatever G. And that. Well, I think Reese has got something like that on his helmet currently, mm. and he's been pushing for it because obviously he's been affected by yeah. concussion symptoms and. That's the thing that he's really pushing for in Tane as well. Yeah. And even Cade, there's been a lot of yeah, yeah. a lot of people like taking it more seriously now, yeah. which is massive, which is something yes, that the we hit, need. Hit system, I yeah, think. Yeah, I'm pretty called. sure that's yeah, it. Yeah. yeah. And they've been open to, I think, give out sensors to everyone uh-huh. on the World Cup circuit, I'm pretty sure, because they want to obviously promote that. But it is it is a safety thing. So yeah, yeah I think it should be something that's like you racing, we gotta put this on. If it's flashing, you're yeah. off. You can't do it and you got to do these tests to get. That's the thing. We all need baseline tests because the thing now is we don't have anything to base off. So, it's like okay. if I hit my head at Leger and like, all right, you got to do a test. But you're like, you have no baseline. Right. I could just be slow. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, you were under the average. I'm like, yeah, but is under the yeah, average. Maybe I normally am. Yeah, or exactly. Like, yeah, who knows? Exactly. It's yeah. like, I'm just a slower guy. It's like, just because I'm under that average doesn't mean I shouldn't be able to ride. Yeah. Yeah, tricky one, but yeah, I'm glad there's more like light being shone on how it actually is getting dealt yeah. with. Yeah, and it's good to see riders A getting more support and B taking themselves out of the action for a chunk of time and getting it fixed mm. properly. So we're moving in a good direction and I think ESO are focused on that. I know there's been talk for EWS certainly, so hopefully that'll be something that improves. What what else would you like to see improvement in? Are there other areas of the sport that if you were running the show you'd be like, Right, I wanna fix these things? Tracks. <laughs> tracks tell us we about need, the tracks they need there's just like there's some stuff i feel like there's like just some things that they just really miss the mark on like with whether it be safety like for example andorra what the fuck was that last thing that we rode off that bridge like that and you know, i was like because i mentioned something in the group chat we're in saying this needs to be changed like this is dangerous yeah and Nothing happened. Nothing got changed. It's too late. I'm just yeah. like, man. And then I saw Remy Meyer Smith. Yeah, that was a horrible have crash. Have a massive crash. I'm like, imagine if he's in a coma right now. And yeah. I got so angry that I didn't push more to have that changed mm-hmm. because if he like got more hurt, like luckily he was all good. I don't know how he hit the ground fucking hard. hard. Yeah. And I'm like, and even Finn, Finn almost crashed on it. He hit his back wheel, and I'm like, man, what are we doing? You're going yeah. off a rubber mat, turning. And I was like, dude, you could have just taken the wall off wherever I was hitting, move the finish line 10 meters one side and open that up. Yeah. I'm like, that wouldn't have taken that long. You could have done that in an afternoon if you got like, and I think that was the big thing where the whole like riders union coming together, like mm-hmm. we want change and we want respect because it is our lives we're risking. And like, yeah, yeah. that's that's serious. Like a big hit, head impact onto concrete because you've built a sketchy ass thing. It's and we're just good. like, okay, that's fine. We're going <laughs> to deal with it. Yeah. But just a lot of stuff now. It's kind of like, I feel... Like when we've come to Val de Sol now and I've been coming here 10 years and this is first day of practice and the thing's just destroyed. Like it's to the point now where it's just like everyone's like, this is too much. Like it's just, it's yeah. dangerous now. 
and it's like you look five meters to the left or five meters to the right and you're just like that's just new loamy fresh section like yeah why don't we just tape it different like that's a, and the thing is like tracks like this you don't need to put that much effort in like it, it blows me away that they'll probably spend ten thousand dollars to bring up rocks and excavators to put in man-made rock gardens that no one <laughs> no one not a single rider here would be like yep that's what we need yeah like you've spent more money more effort to make something worse and it just blows me away and i don't know how track builders or bike parks keep coming up with this like leo gang here there's other places that do it as well Mm -hmm. like lenser hides sometimes it's just like we don't need man-made rock gardens you have enough rocks your hill is full of rocks and roots and loam and all the good (laughs) stuff that we enjoy in life yeah yeah. so it's just i think i think they just need like yeah like a downhill racer to go places early and be paid to go places Mm -hmm. and say this needs to be changed and actually make change and not just wait a week before the world cup i think that needs to be a serious priority that needs to be pushed forward moving forward because yeah. it's just yeah stuff's just getting sketchy and it's like it's sketchy enough what we're doing like the whole downhill racing is a sketchy sport you will crash you will be injured and just to add to these add to it with these little things that it can be avoided is just like man it's not much to change that and it's just yeah it blows me away sometimes like i feel like downhill racers are normally pretty good track builders because they understand how it works at our speed yeah yeah. where a lot of people that work at bike parks understand bike park speed and how they ride yeah and that is there's a big gap between like a fast rider and a world cup racer Mm -hmm. and i think when you try and build a track for a fast rider it doesn't really translate into world cup track yeah so it's yeah there's a missing link there that i think needs to be like filled and changed moving forward and yeah hopefully we can get someone but we'll see. But yeah. I think that's a big thing that needs improving. Yeah. I mean, you've got Nico and Emily Siegenthaler now, I think, going on the UCI track walk. And Nico obviously has a lot of track building experience, mm. two bike parks in already. Um, but, but it's, it's just kind of too, too late. late. It's too late. Yeah, that's yeah. the thing. Like, even now, like, they're going early, which gives us a little bit of time to change some stuff. But, like, they're not going to retape a whole section or they're not going to remake a jump or yeah. something. It's like they're going to try and fine tune what's there. But it's we're just limited with time. You yeah. need someone here, every world cup track someone needs to be there it doesn't matter when but as long as it's before like a week early before the event yeah and they need to be like hey we're going to retape all of this we're going to do this this is shut from now on no one's writing this blah 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 yeah and i think that's gonna i think that's gonna yeah i think it's just gonna make riders happier make it safer make like we talked with loik and finn and it's like if the tracks are safer you're going to have better competition which is going to mean more viewership because you're gonna have more people tuning in to see these battles between the top guys when everyone's injuring themselves because of sketchy stuff it's just like man like it's kind of you got one horse in the race then yeah and there has been a lot of injuries this year yeah there's been a lot of teams that are down to like one rider or even no riders on some race i think specialized factory had no riders in one of the races trek have been down to one rider most of the year yeah they had no one at montsenan yeah yeah Yeah, there you go yeah because loris wasn't racing and last year they had arguably the like well, team of the day in like snowshoe yeah and they had like podiums or yeah first third or fourth or something eighth and yeah tenth or yeah yeah so you go from that to and it's been blowing me away lately how much that this sport will be polar opposite with stuff like uh-huh. it's not just like it will be kind of good and then kind of bad it'll be like your team of the day this this race and then the year later you no one's even racing <laughs> and that happens more times than not like even i was talking to loik and finn on track walk and i was like 
you just won in Canada on home soil in front of all these people and it was super emotional and super crazy and Luke had crashed and he just had to watch. And then fast forward and Luke just won on home soil and it was crazy and all this emotion and Finn crashed and, could, and just watched. And I was like, if that is not the most polar opposite things, but exactly the same way in like oh, I was like, <laughs> man, that just sums up downhill. It's like one, one day is your worst day, the next yeah. day is your best day. And it's just like you got to yeah take the good with the bad and understand yeah. it could get really good or really bad. And I guess I look at that from the first year coming of Elder Soul, broken wrist, second year first. It's like... Pfft. It's what makes it so exciting. I think you just... Yeah, don't quit. Yeah. Don't give up. So no. they say like um, it's hard to beat someone that doesn't quit or yeah, it's hard to keep someone down that doesn't quit. So yeah, keep moving forward. Next yeah. week could be amazing. Amazing. Are we just hearing a lot of rain coming in? It does sound like it. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> just went. It might make it like it's going to be terrifying, but it might also like slow it down a bit, which which could be good. I think the track could handle a fair bit of rain before it got yeah. super horrific. Yeah, the roots are going to get slick, but there's a lot of dust. Yeah. We were joking about like me and Eddie were talking about how like we almost just want it like laughable, like <laughs> just make it so like if you get down, like if you stay on your bike, like yeah. that's a win. You've won. Yeah. yeah. Just go biblical, just just <laughs> Oh. it could happen who well, knows even the fact like where you'd pull a roll off or a tear off is just there's nowhere there's literally nowhere there's yeah, probably there's one not, spot at the like top the, of the bridge the bridge yeah and then after that like you've kind of got a few like little bits but like you're still going to be hitting stuff when you're pulling the, the roll off or the tear off insane well let's see if this continues right man we should wrap up you need to get to to other spots but we've got our final four questions so we'll hit those up oh um, I, I, I know you always do these questions and i didn't <laughs> i didn't think this is what martin martin said as i yeah people always forget forget to prepare <laughs> yeah so first up if our listeners listeners had 150 pounds to spend to improve their performance on a bike which is about 255 australian dollars mm. what would you recommend they go spend it on is it about 150 quid yeah This is a tricky one. I'm trying to think. I would like something that makes them feel happy. Buy a, buy a plane ticket. No, it's probably going to be a bit too expensive to where you are. I was going to say go to Medina. No, no, Medina, a Derby bike uh-huh. park. Because I just, I think when I go there, I have that much fun that I suddenly ride better. Yeah. Because they've just got these, there's a track there called um, Air You Going. And I'm pretty sure it's like, if you're not riding, like if you, whatever reason you're not riding good or whatever, and you go there and ride that track, you suddenly become a better rider just because <laughs> of how much fun you actually have but i think maybe just go like take it to a mechanic um and get him to like fine tune it as well like if i can't ride a loud bike oh, yeah. if my bike's noisy i hate it like a lot of kids when i do coaching they'll come and their brakes will be pointed right down and their seat's not set up so just take it to someone and say hey can you set my bike up or have a look at it just to see like if you think anything's wrong and yeah get a second set of eyes on it because i think there's a lot of things that you miss because you think something's cool but you're actually you're doing yourself a disjustice dis- Disjustice? Disservice. Sorry. Disservice. Um, Running like your seat steep or your brakes down or your bars. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Second set of eyes. Bleed the brakes. Maybe put your tires on. Freshen her up. I think that'll be pretty good. Nice. Second one. If you could wind back the clock and sit down with yourself age 16, what advice would you give him? (laughs) Be be careful with girls. Um... (laughs) If you've got a girlfriend and you go overseas, try and enjoy being overseas more so than worrying about what she's doing back home. Okay. Yeah. That used to stress you. Yeah. 
I came came overseas and had a girlfriend and I spent so much time on my phone and I didn't experience where I was to the fullest because I was, a big part of me was still invested yeah. back in Australia and I felt like I lost out on a lot of experiences because I was so exactly. invested in something. But you're in young, you're in love. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, if you've if I could go back, I'd be like, man, have fun, enjoy it, yeah. be present, be in the moment, don't worry about that. If it's right, it'll be right. If it's wrong, it wasn't meant to be anyway, so... Yeah. interesting good one third one if you could have a coaching session from anyone past or present who would it be and what would you want to learn from them Bert Munro go on then how to go fast yeah <laughs> do you know Bert Munro no I haven't heard the name uh, so Eddie Eddie Masters bike is so it's called the world's fastest Indian which is like a motorcycle uh-huh. an Indian motorcycle that he yeah. raced at Bonneville oh, on the salt flats on the salt yeah, flats yeah. yeah and he's I think he was 68 you gotta watch the movie highly uh-huh. recommend anyone okay. listening watch the movie called world's fastest indian yeah but he's a new zealand guy that builds this motorcycle in like an old shed and it's like under a thousand cc's anyway he goes to america because he wants to beat the land speed record and it's about how he travels over there and goes through all this adversity anyway he finally gets there and then he wasn't registered so like you can't race and then he tries to race anyway and then they finally <laughs> just let him and they thought it was all a big joke and that he would like wouldn't go fast at all and he set the world record at like 205 miles an hour on a bike that was built in the 1920s. And he was 68 years old when he did it. Whoa. Yeah. So, he's just... It's still To this day, it's still set under 1,000 cc's. No one's beat it. So, I would like to sit down and just ask him like... I don't know. Just have a conversation with no, him. No, he did. Uh, yeah. yeah. Just, it's just cool. I, I don't know if he's exactly how he was in the movie, how they portrayed him. But yeah. he just seems like a person that has no quit and and overcomes all these challenges by being a good person i was like that's the person i want to hang out with i nice. think i think he's a good dude so anyone that hasn't watched the world's fast indian highly recommend good on movie it. yeah and be more like bert munro be more bert yeah all right i'm definitely gonna watch that it sounds <laughs> awesome that's a cool story man all right last one what do you do every day that you feel benefits you i don't do it i, I don't do it every day but i should do it i think like if you can like breathe and like have a moment of uh-huh. like kind of like gratitude and kind of meditate and yeah. just kind of, I guess, step out of yourself and look where you are and, and what you're doing. And I, I, I've been doing a fair bit lately, but I don't always do it. But okay. I feel like when I can like take a step back and even just the whole like name three things that you're grateful for in a day normally makes you feel pretty yeah. good. And it's normally simple stuff. And it's like if you can do that and really just breathe and be present every day, I think everything else becomes easier. Like I think for athletes and even other people in this industry, it's like you're so focused on winning and doing better and, and all this. And it's just like like you actually just stop and like have a moment to think how like like how cool it is that we get a race in front of this many people, where yeah. we are and all that. And like I think a lot of us lose focus of that because of like the racing mentality to like be the best and anything to be the best and all yeah, that completely and they don't stop and smell the roses and see how good it all is so yeah. a bad day mountain biking is normally like better than a good day at work so 100 percent. yeah i think just taking a moment to really like appreciate everything yeah. is good nice good stuff man well it's been really interesting chatting i've been really enjoying the off-track experience and the podcast episodes man i like i really like what you're doing there i think it's super cool if people want to check it out what's the best place to look just search for the off-track experience i guess in there yeah the off-track experience app or wherever they find it it's on all like channels um spotify anywhere like you listen to podcasts rain's coming down now it really is coming down Um, it's on instagram the dot off track 
dot experience i'm pretty sure okay i'll like, stick it i'll find it and stick it in the show notes yeah for people even on like my instagram um dinos mikinos it's just on a link tree to, yeah if people want to find it but yeah Perfect. i've been enjoying that man it's just like i think again it's like just meeting new people and like yeah having new ideas and stuff to share i think is really beneficial and if i can talk to someone that's got a cool story that then can help someone in their life and if not myself as yeah. well like the amount of time i've talked to someone and i've got something out of that and then you yeah, get to totally. share that it's just like it's a win-win-win so yeah i, I really enjoyed it it's it fun, fun eh? it was really fun nice i was talking to jace mcalpine about this guy guy that has gypsy tales yeah and it's a bit of a trip to think that like with the podcast world i'm like you're writing kind of like in a diary with obviously just your words and this is going to be around forever yeah so like your grandkids their grandkids so many people down the line can be like oh this was like your great great grandfather he was a mountain biker here's him in Italy talking yeah man I never to, thought to about gr- it like that yeah it's like it's it's because I don't know like my great grandfather at all yeah like I might have seen like an olden day photo of him but pff, I don't know what he was like yeah you've never heard his voice never or, heard his voice yeah, yeah. and I think it's quite cool because now that obviously I've been doing podcasts like yourself for a while yeah. it's like I can see the like emotional development of me as a person and just all this stuff like and it's like if you listen to probably the first one i did to now like i'd probably be like cringing at that and i might cringe <laughs> I at this like yeah so it's yeah. like as you progress as a person it's kind of cool it's like yeah. if someone listens to that start to finish i'm like i feel like they get a pretty good understanding of who you are as a person and where you're going and just i've never thought about it like that but that's really that's got me that's got I, my brain firing yeah, yeah i man. always think about like i'll be in a nursing home when i'm 80 <laughs> and like if my grandkids or whatever there or even just myself i listened to a conversation i had with like one of my mates when i was 22 or something yeah. i was like and I, I bet that'll put a smile on my face because i always tell people i'm like if we do a podcast and you don't like it i don't have to put it out but uh-huh. you can just have it and i can have it and yeah. i think that's a cool experience like to, to have that thing forever yeah it's just like that's and and everyone that i've done one with is like no it's fine share that it's good but i always tell yeah. them like this is just you and me this doesn't have to go anywhere else. You're not comfortable with it at the end. And they're uh-huh. like, okay, cool. And I think that makes them feel a bit yeah, more comfortable because they're like, up. yeah, they're like, I can say what I want. And if I don't like it at the end, like you say, you can cut it out or just don't put it out anyway. So yeah. I was, I think about that a lot. And I talked about, I talked about that to someone and they're like, oh yeah, that is true. And I was yeah. like, yeah, this net's forever. It's written in pen, not pencil. It's blowing my mind. Yeah. I like it. That's cool, man. Yeah. Thanks, dude. It's been really cool chatting. It's been a little while coming together. I'm glad we finally sat down and did it. We'll have to do it again at some point in the future and put another timestamp in that uh, that archive, I guess. Yeah, always open. Always down for nice chat. One. It's good. Sweet. I'll stick links in the show notes to the podcast, your Instagram and everything so people can find that. But yeah, thanks, man. Hope the rest of the weekend goes well. Let's see what this rain does. And uh, yeah, see you around throughout the rest of the weekend and then in next season hopefully perfect nice one cheers Cheers, all right that's it for this episode with dean i really hope you've enjoyed listening a massive thank you to we are one composites for supporting this episode as a downtime listener you can get 10 percent off any revolution wheel set including rim only for the month of september all you need to do is to head to weareonecomposites.com and use the code downtimewheeling2022 at the checkout that's downtime with a capital D, no space, followed by the word wheeling, W-H-E-E-L-I-N-G, no space, then 2022 over at wheel1composites.com. Head to their site now and check out their entire range of awesome wheels. Here's a few other links that might be useful to you. Downtimepodcast.com forward slash subscribe so you never miss an episode. Forward slash shop to support the show by getting yourself some merch. And forward slash EP if you'd like to get your hands on copies of our lovely print project, Downtime EP. 
As always, spread the word, tell your rider mates, and make sure as many people as possible are listening. That's it for today. We're going to have another awesome episode coming up really soon. But until next time, get out and ride. (laughs) 